0: Welcome to the meta. This is episode, <laughs> I don't even know what number, season 46 to 47. I don't actually track the episodes here. Anyway, if this is your first time here, welcome. If it's your second or more time here, welcome back. Um, what is the show? We look at the state of the competitive GAC meta once a season, um, in between the two seasons, basically looking back at what happened, looking ahead of what's coming. At forward, what's coming in the future, what's going to be um, going forward, sort of what's going on meta-wise, like what's popular, what's getting stronger, what's weaker, what the datacron's doing, etc, etc. By the way, my version of competitive in terms of what data I analyze and where my perspective lies is in people either in the top of Kyber 1 or who want to be as high as they can go. Obviously it's very different depending on what size your roster is. So, can be players of all levels. For example, I'll start the video now in the background, background YouTube video. Great guy, still plays. Very smart, excellent approach to roster development. Um, yeah, check him out if you're. He's a. Uh, actually, I don't know his GP, to be honest. I think he's in, he's in Kyber 3. So I guess he's probably around like 9 or t- 10 million, maybe? I don't recall off the top of my head. Anyway. Really nice guy, very smart, lots of interesting perspectives on stuff. So who am I? Um, I am not at 10 million. I'm more like 13 million size. I'm in the top, you know, a hundred somewhere. Usually depending on what's going on, my available time. Right now in between seasons, I'm 30 something. Um, But really more importantly, I watch a huge amount of GAC fights. So I have a pretty good grasp on what is the meta. I look at a lot of GAC data on from GGG Insight, SWGH.GG insight. some data I have access to, a few little tools I've built, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's where the basis of my opinion is coming from. Um, by the way, a big part of it too is because of the community that is out there and enjoys GAC as well. Um, Sort of like submit your own counter portal we have on GrandArenaScience.com. I think this last season we got well over a hundred counters submitted there. Not all were accepted, you know, some are duplicate or some don't have Datacron details or something like that, but pretty awesome the amount that people are contributing themselves. Um, It it makes my job a lot easier or I get to unable to see content creators or just videos from individuals that I wouldn't normally see. Anyway. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you is what I'm saying. So how are we going to format this? Um, three separ- or four separate areas, really. 3v3 and the current Datacron sets, 5v5 and the current Datacron sets, ships, and then an overall sort of like where the game meta is and how it relates to relates to competitive PvP. Uh, so... There's a bunch of text here. These are sort of my notes to myself. If you wish to read it, you can pause or ping me on Discord and I'll send you all the text if you want. Um, so what's going to happen in this upcoming 3v3 season with set 11 and set 12 together? I think it's, well, I in general, I'm a 3v3 enjoyer because of the general wider variety of, I mean, you use overall, you use more characters, obviously more teams. Um, so there's a lot more, it's not just all, you know, I guess in regular 5v5, you have eight GLs and then, you know, 14 other teams. And of those 14 other teams, there's Riva and Star Killer and Malgus and stuff. So you're always going to use those most of the time. So that really you have like approximately 10, non-GL teams to use in 5v5, whereas in 3v3 you have, um, I think it's 15 teams altogether on offense and 15 on defense, not counting ships of course. So really only half of them are like GL and equivalents. So I find that it makes it a little more interesting, um, yeah 30 30 teams overall. So. What does that mean for more interesting than next season? It's mostly with the impact of set 12. Because set 12 is really an offense, I don't want to say only, but yeah, sort of an offense only. I'm going to contradict myself very shortly. Offense only um, Datacron set. Like Afra, for instance, terrible on defense, especially with this set. Really good on offense, both in threes and fives. Um, okay, I'm completely contradicting myself. It does take some teams that didn't have a Datacron prior to this set and make them potentially good on defense. Like, um, you'll definitely see Tuscans on defense. They had like, decent stats from set 11, but really with their Datacron and set 12, I think, especially in Week 1, they'll be on defense. As soon as Week 1 is over, not really. Like, the defensive stats for them are horrible on set 12 and they'll die to a bunch of stuff, but still can surprise some people if they're not ready for it. Um, or, you know, when put with a bunch of other teams that take the same counters that are used against them, then yes, could be good. Um, I think the only, and Java Java's also for those few people who have Java's at a level that they can use them, um, with Datacrons. I think Java's with um, they're, they're level six, mostly. You know, maybe Java Scavenger's level nine if you got lucky enough for that. But with the Java level six, eh, they'll be annoying in, in 3v3. I don't think really devastating. More so in 5v5, just when there's so many more potential thermal detonators, but in 3v3, they'll be interesting, but not crazy. Um, so what matchups are really changing then? If we look at, if we put aside the new things, what match-up matchups are changing in this 3v3 season compared to the, the last 3v3 season. Um, so Leia, not really changing. That's still going to be SLKR Malikos and KRU. Um, and then you could Reva cleanup or you know maybe JML cleanup or something like that. Um, mirrors. People are definitely going to keep their Leia on offense a bit, but I think, especially in 3v3, Leia is better on defense because the SLKR, KRU, Malikos is still... I think I put the stats in here somewhere. Um, it's the same as the Malikos one, I think. It's like 75% win rate, so it can definitely still be messed up, especially if the opponent or your Malikos doesn't have all the Omicrons. 3 is a lot. Maybe you don't have a good Datacron, you know, def- defense stacking level 6, etc. There's some certainly risks there. Still, it's quite good. If you do have all of those things, your win rate's much higher than 75. I would say it's closer to like 85, 90. Um, So what else is set 12? Yeah. See, here's the thing. This is where it's a little like rock paper, rock paper datacron. Um, Java has a really good datacron. Java and Boosh together have a great datacron, but like the vast majority of it is completely countered by JMK, which is the main counter to Jabba before anyway. And with JMK and Scoundrel No Revive, you kill um, Kurzistan and problem solved. Like it might take a little bit longer, but it's still going to be an easy kill for JMK. So nothing really changes that much there. I mean, both are better but they counter each other with the set already, so I think I'll still put Jabba on defense, just his DC set definitely makes him like more dangerous, but I'd say more dangerous to off-meta teams rather than GLs or off-tier teams. I don't like the word off-meta. Oftentimes the non-GL teams are the meta, so off-meta doesn't really make any sense. Anyway, non-GL side, as I mentioned, a little bit more interesting. Yeah, Tuscans, Jawas. Afra's gonna be good, but not on defense. Don't put your Afra on defense. Han and Chewie will just kill it. Um, tons of good rebel teams on defense and offense, but that's the same as in last season. Uh, I think the scoundrels are gonna be where it's interesting. You know, what what do you do with your your scoundrels? Some interesting potential stuff with uh, with L three. Um, with her level 9 I mean, like Dash, Vandor, and L3, yes you give up stats, obviously, if you don't use set 11, but, you know, if you have the no revive or basic reset cooldowns, basic reset cooldowns I think is great, and L3's level 9, and she's stacked with health, she counters all the time, and you have Vandor there to revive her. That's very interesting, I, I really think there's some potential there. Um, and a, a few other small things, you know, Ability Block is great for scoundrels, Blind. Yeah, there's some fun stuff. Um, I'm also curious with Kara, Dune. I don't think there's really a good place for her in five or in threes, I think it's gonna be fives, TW and fives. Um, L3, I just talked about that, yeah. And TW, of course. I think TW, in terms of meta changes, with this set is probably a bit more interesting. I'm not at all involved in the planning of TW. I don't really have time for that, and I find the TW game mode personally in the current stage. I like the fighting part, but not the planning and the scheduling and what a mess. Conceptually, it's nice in practice. Could be improved a lot, (laughs) but this is not a rant about TW. Um, But anyway, I do think Definitely for this this month, this season, I guess, of, of these Datacrons, Set 12 is gonna be impactful in, in TW. Mostly with, you know, how does Java and Leia play together? Where does Afro go? What does Lord Vader do? Well, some interesting questions there. Java Java is also, I don't know how many guilds are gonna put walls of Java's, but uh, that's not a super easy team, I don't think. We'll see, anyway. What does it mean for 5v5? So yeah, I just talked about 5v5 is basically with TW. Okay, I've repeated all of this already. Yeah, and then besides the ones I just mentioned, like Tuskens and 5v5, well, Tuskens and TW, I don't really see them hitting up that much. They'll still do the same counters. They already do just a little bit better. I mean, they're a great team, but since it's so fragile, how much you'll see him on defense anyway? Scoundrel, know you what, no revive is going to be everywhere. That's definitely a fantastic, um, fantastic skill or ability, rather, level six. And tons of scoundrels out there. So, ships are still super interesting. I, I'm leaving in everything I had from last month. I will cover to get a bit again just to uh. Re summarize it, but I think ships are the most interesting part of the overall meta in all competitive game modes right now. And by that, I mean, I mean, there's the most variables, and things are less likely to be played the same from player to player. I mean, like in terms of combat variables, not so much, because the only real variable in ships is relic level of the pilots. So that's a, a pretty small thing to be able to manipulate if you want to control aspects of the fight. Um, but in terms of how many different ways there are to choose what fleet you want for offense and defense and exactly how you want to tweak, um, tweak stuff, um, that is interesting. And, and in my mind that it all revolves, so now this is Everything below here is what I had from last month. And it basically revolves around Leviathan. I I did bring up some data I wanted to go over here just to show show you what I mean in addition to talking. Okay, pause the video. Let's go look at some Leviathan stats. So no cleanups included in this data on GG. I'm looking Leviathan standard with Sith Fighter starting. I don't sort for reinforcements, just Sith Fighter. Um, If you're using the Chimera counter, with Sith fighter, you have like broadly speaking 75%, 70, 75% chance to win. Okay, could be higher or lower, but uh, roughly that is what we're looking at. Mirrors are like 90, more like 95 if you know how to play them, even if you go second. So if you don't use mirrors, the only two other things I'm curious about really is what happens if you have negotiator with marauder Um, And then Profundity, right? So Negotiator, Marauder, depending on lineups, if there's two or three on Leviathan side, how many do you have? You have between like, the more reinforcements the Sith fleet has, Leviathan fleet has, the worse negotiator is on winning. But if they only have like two reinforcements, for instance, for instance, you have like 40, 50% chance of win in certain lineups. So not great but an option and almost certainly, if you know how to play the counter, you'll almost certainly kill one or two ships. So that's fantastic. Um, But Chimera is still better. So let's look then if we have Profundity versus this Chimera lineup. Okay, again, two reinforcements we can see on Leviathan side, terrible. Always have three reinforcements. You must have three, two is really bad. But look, three reinforcements for some weird ass reason the scimitar is coming out first. Somebody doesn't know how to pet their set their reinforcement or play there and profundity wins 80% of the time. If you look at everything on average overall and you exclude the really dumb stuff, profundity still has like 60 65% 10 15% chance less than chimera to beat leviathan. It's really good. Really really good. So you'd sort them by Chimera, Profundity, Leviathan in terms of best chance of one shot. For Sith Fighter starting. Now let's look at Sith Dagger, or Dagger, TIE Dagger, I guess, TIE Dagger starting. Chimera drops way down. You're looking at probably 50%, roughly a few variables, but around 50%. Leviathan mirror doesn't change. And then if we want to look at negotiator again, with Marauder, of course, what does negotiator with Marauder do? Whoa, that plummets also. Not a ton, I wouldn't say it plummets, it goes down a bit. You're you're looking, sorry, it goes up a bit. It goes up a bit. You're looking at probably around 55%. I know if you look at these numbers here, they don't necessarily say 55, like this one is 50, this is 43, this is 44, this is 48. But if you go in and look at all of the, or not all, but some of the examples on the relic levels that people have on their pilots, you're looking, it's a little bit better with the dagger starting than with the Sith Fighter starting with Negotiator Marauder. Again, you, don't have, to, you have to know how to play it, but your chance of winning goes up about five to 10%. Okay, for dagger starting. Now, dagger starting, what happens with Profundity, if you're using Profundity? Here is where it gets really interesting. Dagger starting is terrible. This is the important one we're looking at here. Profundity with only two reinforcements. This is not a few examples, this is 44 examples. Profundity with only two reinforcements or with zero reinforcements, 75% win rate. Yep. Don't start dagger if your opponent has profundity. Now, they may not think to use it, in which case, great, great for you. But profundity um, is fantastic against Leviathan with dagger starting. I wouldn't start dagger personally. Unless you want your opponent to use profundity, which makes your executor triple attacker a little bit more difficult if you have that on defense. Again, so there's an option. However, Executor Triple Attacker can fall to Chimera pretty reliably as well. Not as well, not as reliable as Profundity, but they can do that too. Something to think about. The last option for Leviathan here is Mark 6 starting. Mark 6 starting doesn't really stop Chimera. Mirrors are 100% instead of like 90. Profundity is still 80, 80% with full or even more with less. Negotiator goes up to 60, 70, 80%, 65%. Don't start Mark 6, worst choice. Maybe you'll throw some bad opponents off or something. but that's the worst of all the three starting so don't do that anyway that's the sort of basis of why i think ships are interesting because depending on what you put with your leviathan or you could even keep your leviathan for offense then you have a lot of other options negotiator marauder is good very good on defense not quite at the profundity executor level but good i've seen i've seen profundities time out against it poor play like should have been a win Um, I have seen it destroy Executor teams, only the Triple Attacker version, not the Houndstooth version. Um, Executor being the attacking team, again, I think bad play could have been better um, because Executor can beat it quite reliably, but it's still a pretty good team on defense. Um, So that's an option for a a third team on defense, depending on if... Assuming you're putting, like, Finalizer... Finalizer... You're putting Leviathan and... um, Executor, Triple Attacker, and Negotiator. That's a, it's a tricky-ish puzzle for your opponent to to solve. Very solvable, um, but definitely some RNG in there. And you have to be good on, on offense as well. And you have to do it without Negotiator because that's a great offensive team. I would say it's a better offensive team than defense because it can technically kill all of the meta fleets, just not 100% in all of them. Very interesting. So, let's, again, here's a bunch of the interesting text. I summarized a lot of it. Let me continue the video from Still Plays. I summarized a lot of it, but I mean, read it if you'd like to. Let's scroll through sort of slowly. La, 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 la. Okay, so where are we with the game state? My perspective is sort of that of Relaxed waiting, you could say. Like, what's next? What's coming next? Um, the new raid. Pretty easy. I mean, obviously, easier now than it probably will be, assuming they're going to fix, fix, change C3PO so he can't he can't escape and be used over and over again. Uh, but even just putting aside what actually character you have to relic up to do the higher tiers, the relic A tiers. Um, like mechanically the raid is very easy, most players can put it on auto and you get like 70-80% of the best score you can get, you know, auto will get you 2, 2.1, 2.3 million versus 2.7 if you played super super good carefully and got all your modding correct and stuff like that, so in that regards it's, it's pretty easy I think the majority of players are not trying for high boxes or anything like that, or the max that their guild could do, which is sort of a shame because the the rewards from the raid are from the raid system in general are fantastic. I mean, more average overall rewards than the previous raid. I mean, obviously, previous raid you do two in one week, now you do one in one in one week, and the rewards were doubled because you do one instead of two. But even putting that concept aside the rewards are a bit are more compared to the amount of time and roster development that most people have to do. So overall, great. It's a shame the raid isn't more like fun or engaging, I think, but no question that it's a net positive for most people compared to the previous raid. Um, yeah, Rise of the Empire, the TB, is is easier every every month, which makes sense, like you have more most people every month have more characters to use, so easier. And in general, let's you know, do your operations, and then do a, the few battles that you want to do. You know, the ones for currency, or if you're pushing for a certain star or something like that. Um, conquest every every like you know set of three because they're more or less the same in each set of three. Little few changes, but more or less the same. That's easier every time. I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't find. I don't mind conquest at all. Now that they introduce simming, yeah, it's sort of fun. You know, the, the week before conquest, I'll usually go in and I'll make the teams that I know are part of the quests or the feats or accomplishments, whatever they call them. Um, I'll make the teams I know I'll need in my my squads tab, and then during conquest, and then plus a bunch of like the teams that I know will kill everything, and then when it starts, I just go click the teams, do each one. Four or five times, whatever, depending on what zone I'm in. What data, what, um, I'm calling them Datacrons in Conquest. What discs I have in Conquest, very easy. I mean, the only challenging one is the beginning of this set where the bosses were really hard, but still, you could beat it with GLs if you gave it a little bit of effort. Or a lot of effort, I mean, the, the bosses were annoying. I, I beat, I think, the first two zones when they were hard. But it was really like a Ray Ray situation, made it quite reasonable. Anyway, um, TW I find still sort of unengaging. Again, I like the fighting part. I like you know the sort of camaraderie and rivalry aspect of it. I don't really don't really engage in trash talk or anything like that. That's not really my thing. Um, but I know it's it's cool for a lot of people. So I, I'm all for that, but just the way that the mode is designed I don't really enjoy that much. There's not much for me to do as a player, you know. Like I said, I, I don't really do any of the planning aspect of it. I don't have time or, or desire, frankly, um, given the relative rewards. But um, the playing part is pretty easy to, your, you know, 8, nine, ten, whatever battles, depending on if you're cleaning up for somebody or not or whatever and then that's it now you're 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 done so gac is still where i'm i'm getting most of my enjoyment you know that's where i use my characters i can choose how i want to use them i can prepare and mod and use datacrons that i've, I've acquired in the way that i wish to me i find that really enjoyable i like the combat aspect the fighting aspect you know playing another player Depending on how much effort you want to put in, you can plan a lot or plan a little. Like that's that's great. I really like that quite a bit. Man, he got destroyed by Java. I don't know if that's good, video in the background for people listening on the podcast. Um. Yeah, so I really enjoy GAC, but moving on to the next section here. GAC is still a bit of a grind. Now, I don't really mean that in a negative way exactly, but there's very little motivation besides the crystal rewards or, you know, the sense of pride and accomplishment, I guess. And for me, in GAC, I've done everything essentially except be number one. And why would I want to be number one? There's not even a title. If there if there is a title, I would fight for number one, but without a title, you know, I've been number two, I've fought the number one player at the time and in the, you know, the top eight bracket a few times and all of that. And the fights are certainly interesting, you know, but the amount of time it takes to prepare and to compete at that, like, that level, for me, at least personally, it's not really worth it. Um, It's much easier. Like this last season for me was a great example. I, I really, I got beaten once in the first week and then I screwed around and I lost all three of my matches. But then I was in like 400 or some, some crazy number for me again, for my roster size. And then I won the next six matches. I don't want to say without trying because of course I, I played every fight and I did my regular stuff, but like None of them were close. I don't think I got cleared the entire last six matches, um, and not because I set any special defense or putting all my gls on defense. Just i a regular play style, um, but for my roster size, at least the competitive matches are in like the top top fifty, top thirty. I mean, the top all of anywhere in the top fifty. I can be competitive in the top. I can fight Aesop and have a competitive roster with him. Obviously his has some advantages, mine has some advantages, but uh, he's not going to make mistakes, and he'll put up a very creative defense that takes me like a lot of time and, and brain juice, you know, brain power. I like brain juice. Brain juice to try and solve for... I'm not even going to be number one if I beat him because I have to get a lot of points to be number one. Um, Anyway, so me, it's not personally, I'd love to fight Aesop, but to get all the way up there, and then my reward is just 600 crystals. Yeah. I'll happily hang out in the 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, 50s, and get the same amount of crystals in half the amount of time, and fight relatively similar rosters. Like, in the top 100, yeah, let's say the top 50. The rosters are more or less, same as mine. I mean, maybe a couple of character differences here and there. Certainly, I have quite a bit different modding than most players. But um, it's still like neither one of us has a roster advantage by and large. Not like uh, one of my uh, one of the guys I've been doing a lot of stuff with content-wise, and we get along pretty well. Is Singita, like, and I mean Calvin, and many other players that are like hitting up in the top of Kyber. But seeing them play in the top of, or in Kyber, the top 100 of Kyber, like they are really hitting up, they're doing a, like they're, they're sweaty, you can say. Like they're working very hard to get their, their wins, which is awesome. You know, that's, I think that's a big accomplishment, taking a roster with gaps here and there that your opponents may not have, and really managing to, to beat them. But at least for me, in my roster, I don't really have gaps like that, so... Mostly I win because I don't make mistakes, and I, my opponent loses because they make mistakes. Not that I'm taking advantage of the roster differential. For me at least, that's how it generally it works. Um, that was a long rant talking about myself and JC. So, still the question is like, what next? Why, why am I building my roster for? What, what parts of my roster am I building? because we're sort of in a foog state. Um, There's not a lot of movement now, like at at the top, at least at the, you know, once you have a steady supply, a steady new income of Relicate materials, and you're just waiting for characters that are behind a paywall, you know, but you're getting all the new Conquest characters, you have the GLs and everything. I'm not saying you whale on Paz, Vizla or IG-12 or anything like that. I, 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 my IG-12 on my Paz, Vizla now I think is Relic because of the shipment stuff. So I did soft whale or something. I, I, I purchased his shards for crystals, just not his packs. Um, anyway, so while we're waiting for you know the next new character to come out to be able to be farmable, Acquiring gear and stuff like that. For me, the only thing that I really enjoy is GAC. That's like every week there's a few new three, you know, three new opponents. Or I've fought most of them before or already. But three opponents with new rosters, new strategy, new plan, everything. That's that's interesting and fun for me. But there's no real new game systems. Like even the new raid, once you figure it out, it's just doing it over and over again. You're not getting a new character. You're not getting some exclusive reward from that. So that's sort of what I'm I'm waiting for. Now, on one hand, maybe it is a new advancement system because they're doing a lot of catch-ups. You know, like with the Lightspeed bundles, just BAM, the Best Carmando they just announced. You know, before they had um, the GLs, Ray and SLKR. Um, that's amazing! Like that's fantastic to get new players. They had Star Killer, I think. A bit more expensive, so these catch-up light speed bundles are awesome to get players up to speed, like to get to a level where they can compete with other players again and participate in other parts of the content, content like you know do the PVE content, you know do TV and conquest and blah blah blah. But I think what many people stay in this game for is the the active players, at least the competitive players. Of course, competitive players are staying for PvP, but you know, like the ones who are really trying to achieve something. I I guess some people play the game just to build out their... their characters, but I think most people want to do something with their characters. Um, And GAC and TW, you know, to a very, very lesser extent, Fleet Arena. No longer really Character Arena. Um, But that's sort of what people are building their rosters for, and now... You know, obviously, I speak for a very, very small amount of people. There's not many people that are hanging out in the top 100 of um, of GAC. So obviously, my take is limited in terms of how it applies. But I think most people, even competitive players, they sort of have a range of, of Kyber. I'm guessing most players who are listening to this are from... Well, no, I know most aren't. Or, most are, but not all certainly are from somewhere in Kyber. There's people here in Erodium and other stuff just because of roster size. Um, anyway, what, what's next? Like, what are we building our rosters for? Yes, it can be to climb the the ranks in GAC, but it'd be nice if there's something besides just crystals and that number. Like. Do you get something for being the top of Erodium, or Kyber 2, or Kyber 1, or whatever the case may be? Um, Or some other additional rewards for being highly ranked? I mean, right now you do get the currency, the GAC currency, which buys some decent stuff, but nothing exclusive, for instance. Um, Anyway, I'm curious what they're bringing next to in the game. That's, That's what I'm sort of leading up to. And I wonder what it is, whether it's an advancement system or a whole new advancement goal, I guess, you know, like Relic 10 or character level 90 or something like that, or a new, um, you know, maybe ship mods or mods 2.0 or I, I don't know. Mods, I think are in pretty good spot, just needs a better management system. Same um, with Datacrons. their management system is terrible. But what other, what other game systems, like are we going to, I would love a new PvP mode or, or refreshing a PvP mode like Territory Wars. And you know, we talked about this on the council a few days ago, lots of interesting ideas there. Um, I, I was thinking also, it's possible they do like next year could be the complete, because we're so balanced in terms of like competition, I guess. And they're bringing, and making it so much easier for people to catch up to the end game in a bit, you know, to get more GLs and competitive characters or, or key, let's say, meta-defining units. Um, maybe they're considering, or it would be interesting if they were considering, I have no clue what they're considering. They haven't told us, and I doubt they will, until prob- maybe a tease in December, but probably after the holidays, you know. We generally have a road ahead, I think it is, in February. Hopefully we have some information before then. Probably some sort of tease a little bit here and there. Um, but what if they just redo the whole PvP system, you know? And to me PvP system is Arena, Fleet, JC, and TW. So Arena is already more or less unimportant. You do get some rewards. I admit I do one battle a day to get my number one position, usually like three hours before because like not many people worry about it. And I get a little bit more rewards and I can use those arena rewards for cash or um, these days actually with cash being available from the raid rewards, I use the arena rewards for, um, for shards for the shard shop, which is great. Um, what if they just redid everything? They took out Fleet, or yeah, changed Fleet Arena, etw Might even remove one of them altogether. You know, they could remove Arena, just move the rewards to someplace else. Um, really change it so there's not like this payout system of Fleet anymore. Because frankly, I don't think it's really good for anybody. There's not much benefit in that. Seeing as how much they're pushing like the guild cohesion bit with uh, raids, the raid system, TB, etc. You know, maybe they build out a much better territory war dynamic. Erase altogether fleet and arena. Like You don't need those at all. You, maybe you do one battle a day, but you can do it anytime you want. You just have to win the battle. I don't know. Or maybe take away that requirement altogether. Um, yeah, but maybe they could redo entirely the whole PvP dynamic like system. like Sort of like how they redid the raid system, you know? All of them feed into the same reward category. Um, the, the dynamic like, dyna- dynamic in terms of when you do it and how often you do it, that's all changed. They removed a bad one, you know? Challenge or is gone altogether. So they could easily remove dynamics or pieces of the dynamic they don't like. Anyway, I'm very curious what they do, and maybe it's none of this, maybe it's not PvP, maybe it's not a new advancement system, maybe it's we just get another raid and that's what happens next year. That would sort of be a shame, because PvP really is a bit languishing now in the game. There hasn't really been any touch-ups in quite some time. The squish change was good, that's that's overall net positive crystals for the majority of players. I have no complaint, that's fantastic um yeah let's see what else was talking about here in my notes yeah sort of more background on why i think they're going to introduce a new game dynamic either a new advancement mechanic or a new game mode or totally redesign some game area game systems because all the gls sort of have their lifter with darth bane the only one that doesn't really have a lifter is SLKR but does he really need one? He has Hux, I don't know if you consider that a lifter, sort of. But it doesn't really, doesn't do that much, honestly. I mean it's great in 5v5 but in 3v3 not really, and SLKR doesn't really need a lifter. It would be nice for him to have one, you know, like, if you could do SLKR battles, sort of how they hinted Darth Bang or remove the need for watch. you know, maybe SLKR you could find something to remove the need for for Watt and Armorer, but that would be a super powerful character. Do you really want to give that to a GL already? I'm not so sure. Anyway, just more background for why I think they're introducing some new system. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Now, what's wrapping it up? So, I I like the game quite a bit right now. Oddly enough, I find it sort of relaxed, like with with Simming of Conquest. Oh, that's so amazing. I think, in the time I've been in Conquest so far, I'm one or two, I'm like, I think, like maybe 50 points away from the red box. Um, And I only do 50 or 100 refreshes. And I think I've taken three days, I was just busy with other stuff, and I've simmed, like all of my refreshes on sims, just for, you know, Datacron farming stuff. I'll still finish my get red box in the next probably three days or something like that. It's super easy. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, and with the new raid being so low investment on time, I love that too. It's just, all together, it's a nice amount of time. I wouldn't mind playing the game more. I, I wouldn't mind doing more GAC, for instance. Um, but I, I can't. Like, There's no way to do more competitive stuff. My competition in TW is like the guild, I guess. Can I place my teams on defense faster? Whatever, it's not actually a competition. I'm just saying like for me, there's no competition in TW. Just follow orders, not actually make any decisions for myself Um, besides being in the fight and not screwing up the battle. That's something that that I I really enjoy. So that's fine. But yeah, it would be nice to have a way to actually choose if I wanted to do some more of the content. Like arena, I can go in there and if I wanted, I could do another fight in arena it gets me nothing, like not even a gold or something like that. Um, but I could if I wanted. It'd be nice if there's a competitive way like uh, where you could go fight and maybe you get a little bit more ranking or something like that. Um, or a very small award if you do, you know, a certain amount, if you gain so much ranking in a week or in a day or something. Anyway, I think there's lots of options there that could increase play time for players, which is sort of what CG is looking for in many cases um, and be more fun for players who want to do some competition. So that's about all I've got for this uh, meta, 42 minutes. This is probably the shortest one I have ever done. (laughs) I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, Love to hear what you think. If you have any ideas, feedback, thoughts, whatever, let me know in Discord, I guess, if you're listening on podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you know, leave a comment or something like that as you wish. Uh, yeah, cheers. Good luck with your prep for season 47. And I'll talk to you guys soon in the Meta Moment podcast. Cheers.